helping you out with your spiritual journey and bringing you all things metaphysical and paranormal this is outside the crystal ball podcast with your hosts emily minton and reverend ronald flores Hey everyone and welcome to episode 17 of Outside the Crystal Ball. I am Emily Minton. Ronnie is still on hiatus this week, but he should be rejoining us soon. I have so much to share with you today, so I want to go ahead and get started with just a few housekeeping things first. Ronnie is still available for you guys for tarot readings, um, life coaching, uh, spiritual coaching. You can reach him on his website, RevRonaldFlores.com. Also, our investigation books are pretty open right now at Black Creek Paranormal. If you are experiencing any sort of um, unexplained activity, please reach out to us. You can email us here on the podcast outside the crystal ball at gmail.com. You can visit blackcreekparanormal.com to check out our service offerings there. I do ask that if you request service um, that you are pretty local to where we are. We're in Northeast Florida. So somewhere in, in, you know, a a, a reasonable radius to that. Um, Also, regarding the podcast, guys, we're doing We've gotten so many downloads in the last couple of weeks. I'm so thankful to you guys. Ronnie sends his thanks thanks to you guys for all of the support you're giving us. Please remember to go on to whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and rate, review, and subscribe so that we can continue to grow and to continue to reach Uh, more people who might need our assistance, might need a little bit of guidance as they're getting started on their spiritual journey. So we are going to get started on today's show because we do have a lot to go over. As you know, this is not a normal episode. Normally we do episodes every other week, but because it is getting to be spooky season now that it is October, we are going to do an episode a week for this month. Today's episode, we are still doing our tarot card. We're going to go over the Knight of Cups. I am going to review evidence with you from a paranormal investigation that I did at the end of July. And we're going to talk about how to protect yourself psychically if you're just now getting into this work or even if you've been doing this for a while and it's not a practice that you're 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 practicing? That's too many practices. If not, but you know what I'm saying. So let's go ahead and get started with today's tarot card, the Knight of Cups. You can see it there on the screen. The Knight of Cups, if you look at him, he has on a helmet that has wings and he has wings on his feet, that which ties him to the air element, right? But if you look at his armor, he has fish on his armor, on his um, breastplate armor thing. he um, That also ties him to water. And that indicates the, the quickness of this card, the speediness of this card. Now, cups are symbolic of emotions, love, intuition, feelings. You can remember that by thinking of phrases like, my cup runneth over, or you can't pour from an empty cup. Think of things like that. Now, a knight, when you pull a knight in tarot, a knight's going to be depicted on a horse, and he's going on a quest and bringing you back the item you requested, in this case, the cup, right? 
So this particular knight has retrieved this cup and brought it back to you very, very, very quickly. So this card is an indication that perhaps things are moving a little too fast. Perhaps some hasty emotional decisions are being made. Um, it can indicate that you need to slow down and see the situation a little more clearly, maybe see the person a little more clearly. Just take a step back and reflect on what's happening. Look at what is happening. In love, it indicates that you should enjoy the romance that you have, right? Perhaps you have just started a new relationship. Um, it could also indicate that, oh, like, I don't want to say old romantic feelings, but maybe you've been in a relationship for a long time, but you're going to start having those new romantic feelings again with your partner, which is always really nice. In a career, it can indicate that you are being presented with work that excites you again, that challenges you again. You're going to get passionate and excited about your work. Now, if that's if you pull it upright. You reverse it. If you pull it reversed, it can signify a disappointment. And that disappointment can come in, you know, relationships, careers, personal life, spiritual work. It can come in a variety of forms, but it can also mean that you are, your expectations might be a little too high for yourself, for someone else. Maybe you are getting disappointed because you're setting your expectations too high. Um, I think it's that Jen Blossom's song that says, um, if you might not, if you expect too much, if you didn't expect too much from me, you might not be let down. I think that's how it goes. Um, I'm singing it in my head. I'm not going to sing it for you guys because that would be real bad. But it, it's just you're setting your expectations too high. So it's, it's leading to a little bit of disappointment. Um, forgive yourself. Forgive other people that might be disappointing you. And that is going to get you back into a little bit of a more positive emotional state. So that's the Knight of Cups, and hopefully that will help you. That information can kind of help with other Knight cards as well, other Cup cards as well. I think it's important when you're learning tarot to learn the the suites or the suits. I'm sorry, the suits, as well as what each individual card means, right? Because each suit means something. Cups mean something. Swords mean something. Wands mean something. And as well as the different. I don't know what you would call these. This is where I would need Ronnie, right? The knight, the page, the queen, the king, the big cards at the at the end of the suit. We are going to move on to the hourglass investigation. Now, the hourglass is a location in my hometown of Bruton, Alabama. It's a very small town just over the Alabama-Florida line. It's about probably 45-minute drive north of Pensacola. Um, it is a very historic place. It's a very historic town. Back in the early 1900s, it was one of the wealthiest towns per capita in the country. A lot of people move there because of its lumber, right? It's a lumber town. And um, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of the history of Bruton just to kind of let you know about how the hourglass itself, that particular building, plays into it. So Bruton was, it used to be a part of Creek Nation um, back in, you know, before 1813 or so. There was a, a terrible, terrible war called the Creek War, 1813 to 1814. And after that war was fought, General Andrew Jackson built Fort Crawford there in 1817. 
Fort Crawford um, no longer exists. It's not there anymore. There is the Fort Crawford Cemetery, which we will, you're going to talk about later this month. Um, but the fort itself is not there anymore. Now, after that fort was built, Bruton, you need to understand, is surrounded in pine trees, right? It's, it's just surrounded in, in trees. And the railroad runs right through it. So it was a major railroad, railroad hub. Uh, shortly after General Jackson built Fort Crawford, a sawmill was established. Uh, T.R. Miller established a sawmill there in 1848. That sawmill, my friends, is still running today. It's been 175 years and this sawmill is still in business. That's how important it is to this town. That's a lot of the commerce that comes in through to this little town now. Um, we Bruton sits between two creeks. It sits between Burntcorn Creek and Murder Creek. And those two creeks were great, especially back then, for floating logs down to the river and into Pensacola. So that's the beauty of the location of that particular sawmill, surrounded by pine trees and water. Uh, now, the downside to be surrounding by, by surrounded by so much water is that it does flood a lot. And I remember being a little girl and, you know, every time, you know, a hurricane came through, a tornado came through, whatever, the, the rains, heavy rains, the creeks flooded and it was downtown was was underwater. There's actually, you know, those things on the Internet you can read and it's like funny laws. One of them is from Bruton and it says you cannot drive a motorboat down Main Street and the reason that law was made is because Main Street was underwater so much. So that I thought that was kind of funny. Um, Bruton was officially made into a town. It was incorporated in 1885. Now, the place where we are investigating, where we did our investigation, is called Luttrell Hardware Store. And Luttrell Hardware Store was opened in 1893. Um, in, and there's two reports here. One report says that in 1908, Luttrell Hardware moved to the building that we investigated. Some reports say 1912. It, it's not that big of a difference. So either way, that building was built brand new. The hardware store moved in there and it operated for 70 something years until 1969 when it shut its doors. So it was a staple of our community. My mom remembers it being a hardware store. They sold things like iron, mill supplies for the sawmill that's directly behind it, sporting goods, oils, paints, glass, doors, blinds. They sold everything there. Now, right in front, directly in front of the building is the railroad track, right? You could throw a rock out the window and hit it. You could probably throw a rock out the window and overshoot the railroad track. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I am going to put a picture. Here's the hourglass. Here's the building itself. And guys, these will also be on my Instagram page, um, blackcreekparanormal.com. So that's what the building looks like. It's three-story. It's all brick. You can even see the, the railroad track right there in front of it. Now, behind it is the sawmill. Directly behind it is T.R. Miller's sawmill. So you have a lot of... Um, activity coming and going, a lot of people coming and going in both places around this building. Um, in 2015, Adam Manasco bought Luttrell Hardware Building uh, and turned it into a beautiful wedding venue. The back of the building is a restaurant. It's called Camp 31 Barbecue in OMG. It is delicious. It is all the home cooking I was raised on. I absolutely, when, when we go, I went for this investigation. And I think both days I was back home, I went and ate there for lunch both days. It's so good. 
Um, and then the front of the building, the main building, is this wedding venue. So there's three stories. The first two are used for the restaurant, the wedding venue. And then the top floor is storage. So there's nothing really up there other than restaurant supplies, venue supplies, things like that. Now, back in March, my cousin got married in this place, in this building, which is how I learned that it had been turned into a wedding venue. There are a lot of um, paranormal reports here. Like I mentioned earlier, this place floods a lot, right? And this building is downtown. So one of the reports, one of the stories talks about how there were there was a German family that located that that took shelter in this building during a storm and the waters actually flooded up to the third floor of this building, which is not unheard of, and and killed this family. They drowned there. Um, another report is that there is a woman in black that looks out the window at the railroad track waiting on someone to come back for her. Employees report seeing that woman in black quite often. They report hearing children playing in the building. They report that they can go to their office. The, the owner will go to, to his or her office and they can hear conversations in the building when they're the only ones there. So there should not be conversations in the building. Most of this happens on the second and third floors. They don't report a lot of activity on the bottom floor. It's just that second and third floor. Um, something else is that in the chapel area where weddings happen there on the second floor, there's an old rocking chair and it's been reported to rock by itself by many different people. Um, so, oh, and the other thing is the owner has actually heard a saw being used there in the building. So those are... That's kind of the backstory to where we investigated. I reached out to the owner who somehow is a distant cousin of mine. I think everybody there has, you know, 17 cousins and, and first cousins and second cousins and third cousins. And, and, and so I reached out to him and I said, would you mind if me and my team came and investigated? He said, absolutely not. We set up a date over the summer. Now, unfortunately... My team was not able to go because we went on a weeknight because obviously it's a wedding venue. It's booked all weekend long. So you have to go during the week. Um, so I recruited a friend of mine from middle school that still lives in that town. And she came with me and she did a great job um, helping me investigate. So it was just the two of us there running this, you know, operation in this huge three-story building. We also had an incident that happened about halfway through that helped, and we had to s stop and cut short our time. So we're hoping to be able to go back to this location. Now, I want to share with you guys, now that you have the history of it, I'm going to share with you the evidence that we got from the investigation. So my friend, her name is Jill. So you kind of know the players here. Jill and I were setting up the cameras and we were running up and down the stairs and they had not turned the air conditioning on when we got there. It hadn't been turned on just yet. So it was so hot. You guys know we had like the hottest summer ever. And um, the higher up you get in this building, the hotter it gets. So we're running up and down and setting up cameras. And we go to climb the stairs to the third floor. And I heard a little boy laugh. And it was very distinct. And I stopped climbing the stairs. And Jill stopped climbing the stairs. And she said, what did you hear? And I said, what did you hear? 
And she said, you tell me. <laughs> so I told her I heard a, a child laughing. I heard a, a little boy laughing. She goes, I did too. She said, I'm so scared. <laughs> it was funny. But that was the only time we heard that laugh, but it was significant. Now we did not, because we were in the process of setting up, we didn't have it recorded. Again, I'm not, you know, I don't have a camera crew following me around while I'm setting up. So I can't get a lot of the things that you see on TV um, because my cameras don't start rolling until I plug everything in myself. Um, we did a lot of EMF work. So we had the EMF detector out and we're asking questions. We had a lot of responses. They told us that there were more than 20 spirits there still. Um, the person that we were speaking to was a male at that particular time. They told us ages and a lot of different things through that EMF. Mediumistically, I only saw one person though. I only saw a lady and this is before. I knew about the woman in black. This is before I knew this story. There was a lady standing um, over on the side of the building near the railroad tracks, but she wasn't looking out. She was looking at us. She was watching us almost with um, very, very uh, wary of us. Like, I don't know why you're here. I don't like that you're here. Not angry, but just uncomfortable with us. She didn't like us there, but I did see her there. And then when I, I told the owner about it, he confirmed the story about the woman in black there. So we left, as we always do, a recorder on the third floor. The third floor was very hot, my friends, and I was not about to stay up there any longer than I had to. So we left a lot of equipment up there to capture things for us, and boy, did it. So as we are downstairs on the first and second floors doing our investigation, we had an audio recorder on the third floor on a windowsill. And the, one of the very first things we caught on that audio recorder was the sound. Uh, well, I'm going to let you guys listen to it and, and see what you think. So that was it. And it goes on for minutes, for minutes. To me, it sounds like a power tool. To me, it sounds like a drill or I, I, I don't know. My husband says it sounds like a compressor, like a drill compressor, but I don't think they had those before 1969. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a tool historian, so maybe they did. But to me, it just sounds like a, a plug-in drill. Listen again. I played that for the owner and I said, was there, is, is there a piece of equipment up there on the third floor that makes that noise? Did it, you know, is there an air conditioner box? Is there a fuse box? Is there some kind of bad electric connection up there? He said, absolutely not. I've never heard that before. And it doesn't happen anymore during the recording except for that time. And it lasted for four or five minutes and then it stopped. So I'm not sure exactly what that was. Something else that we caught on audio was that conversation. You, we, the owner's report, hearing people talking when no one's in the building. And I think we got it. Now, we can't understand exactly what is being said, but you can definitely tell it's a conversation. Listen. 
Uh, again, it goes on for about a minute or so. I'm not going to play the whole thing for you guys because it will you know, probably bore you to tears. You can't understand what's being said, but you can definitely hear voices saying it. I'll play it one more time. I'll play about 20 seconds of it. So that was a conversation we caught that I thought was pretty cool. I've I've caught many EVPs over my time investigating places like this, but that one was pretty good. I like that one. Even though you can't understand what's being said, it's a conversation between two people. It's very clear. Um, now, the next thing that we caught upstairs, and this is all upstairs on this audio recorder while we weren't there, um, is the sound of... Well, I'm going to let you guys t decide what it is, and then I'll tell you what I think it is. So it says the same word three times. So listen. It takes just a second. There. 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 What did you think it said? I think it says yes three times. The owner said it sounds like Jason or a name. So see what you think it says. Here it is one more time. Right there. Again. Again. Tell me what you think it says in the comments. It sounds to me like yes three times, but I don't know what it would be saying yes to. And I don't know a Jason. So I'm not sure what it's saying. Tell me what you guys think there. I just thought it was very, very interesting that we were able to catch that. All right. So that was all of the um, audio that we caught as far as um, not EV, not uh, spirit box sessions, not EMF sessions where we're not involved in it. Now, we only investigated for about an hour and a half total. We had an incident that happened, like I said, that we had to leave early for, but we hope to go back. Now, during spirit box sessions, we got a, a few things while we were doing that. Again, we didn't have a ton of time for spirit box. One of the things we got, though, um, here, I'll let you listen. Can you tell me your name? Can you tell me your name? Dave. And it immediately says Dave. Uh, one more time. You can hear my friend Jill say, can you tell me your name? And then I have the headphones on the Estes method for the spirit box. I can't hear her, which is why she's speaking so softly. Um, but I can only hear what's in the what's in my headphones. So listen again. Tell me your name. Dave. It says Dave again. Now, another time we were this in the same spirit box session, Jill is still asking questions and I'm hooked up to the headphone with the spirit box. And she asks, are there any children here? Listen. Are there any children? Want to play? And I it immediately said, want to play? And what's funny is that what you don't hear is after that, Jill goes, no, thank you. <laughs> so one more time. Are there any children? 
Jill did not want to play. She was a little freaked out by that one. Um, now, a couple of things that I'm not going to play for you guys on the spirit box because we switched spots. Jill put the headphones on and I walked away and was asking questions. And you can't hear me, unfortunately, on the audio. You can't hear my question. But one of the questions I asked was, where are you from? And she said, Mississippi which of course is the neighbor to Alabama. So that could be something there, but you couldn't hear me. So it was really just her saying Mississippi on the recording. Um, so that really isn't good evidence to share with you guys. Now, visually, we caught a really, really cool um, apparition question mark. It was a white movement across a wall. And I'm going to show that to you guys. If you are not on YouTube. If you're not watching us on YouTube, you can find this clip on my Instagram. You can find it on my TikTok. And um, yeah, I guess that's the places that it's posted. So I'm going to share it here on the screen. And you'll be able to see, I point to it with an arrow there. That is the wall from the chapel into where the reception area would be. That's the only time it happened. So I watched carefully through that video because I, as I'm going over evidence, if I see something happening multiple times, that tells me that there's something that, you know, I can't see that's making that happen. So maybe there's some sort of smoke detector light. Maybe there's a flashing light on the other side of a door somewhere. Something is making it happen repeatedly. But when it only happens one time, that's a huge, huge clue that this is what, something we need to pay attention to. So here it is again. Against that far wall, you can see something walk across right there. Don't know what it is. Is it the woman in black? Perhaps. I was not downstairs when this happened. We were upstairs when this happened. So obviously, whoever it is doesn't like to be seen because it felt like where we were, they were not for the most part. Um, now, I did... Um, tell you guys that we had someone kind of came in and halfway through our, our investigation, we had to stop. So when that person got there, after that person arrived, everything stopped. There wasn't a, a bump. There wasn't an EVP. There wasn't spirit box activity. No one communicated on the EMF. I cannot stress to you how weird it was because there was so much activity in the hour and a half we were there. For it to cease completely when this person came in blew my mind. And I thought, oh, well, I must have caught something. On, uh, you know, I just didn't see it on video, on audio, and I'll, I'll catch it later. There was nothing, guys. Absolutely nothing. So we packed up and we left about that time. And I got in my car and I literally drove from Bruton, Alabama to where I live near, near, near St. Augustine. It's a six hour drive, five and a half hour drive, depending on how fast I go. And I drove through the night. I got home at 530 in the morning. I literally went from the hourglass to my house. I went to bed. And when I got up the next morning and went to go take my shower, there were, let me see if I can show you guys. I had bruises on my arm. And I don't know if, if you're, again, if you're not watching YouTube to see this, you may want to go click over there and look at it. I'll post it on TikTok and my Instagram page. But that's my arm the day after when I got up to take, take my shower and get ready. Those are fingerprint bruises on my arm. And I don't remember getting them. I don't remember feeling pain to get them. I don't know 
why they're there. I, I took a picture. I took this picture and sent it to my cousin back home in, in Bruton. And I said, look at this. And she said, Emily, do you think they were trying to, because I thought they were being malicious and trying to hurt me, right? Immediately, I was defensive. And she said, Emily, what if they were trying to pull you away from that person that came in that they didn't like? And I was like, oh, oh, I didn't think about that. So if you look at that picture there, you can see it's clearly fingerprints. That bruise just continued to grow and grow and grow and grow on my arm. And it was, it was ugly looking. Um, and it took quite some time for it to go away. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Again, I'll post this stuff on on our socials so that you guys can see it. Now, a follow-up to this. I was going over the evidence with the owner, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so. Um, he met me on Zoom and I was going over it. And he said, well, did you hear about the break-in? I said, no, sir, I didn't. And he said that a couple of weeks after we did our investigation and had left, a man broke into the building, broke into the hourglass and went, was climbing through it. They think he was high. They think he was um, on drugs, but he called the, the guy that broke in, called 911 and said, come get me out of this building. They're going to get me. And I have goosebumps thinking of this. By the time they got there, he was banging on the second floor window. There was blood covering every front window of that building. He banged on it so hard it busted. He jumped out of the second floor window to get out of that building and landed on the ground. They had to life flight him to a hospital in Pensacola. He, and I cannot tell you guys, if you can't see, I have goosebumps everywhere. He reported because they went back in, of course, the police did this, you know, crime scene, yada, yada. He had busted every mirror in the place. And he was yelling about how they were coming through the mirrors to get him. Now, he was high, so that could be a piece of it, right? But also, maybe it's not a piece of it. Maybe they were trying to get him out. They have a feeling there. That's, that is what I am getting, is that they know who's good and they know who's not. And they don't like it. If you come in there and you're causing trouble, he broke every mirror in that place because they were coming through the mirrors to get him. And then when he, they got there, when the police pulled up and he was banging on the glass, he had cut two arteries or nicked two arteries. I'm not exactly sure how all that works, but he had nicked two arteries and was bleeding to death. They had to life flight him. He did not die. Thank goodness. They were able to save his life, but barely. He had lost so much blood. They said there was blood everywhere because he jumped to get away from whatever was in there. He jumped from the second floor, second story window. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. That is crazy. So whatever is there, they don't like it there. They don't like you to be there if you're not supposed to be there. They want good energy there and they're protecting that place. And I'm glad. I'm thankful for that. And I think the owner is thankful for that. You know, they, they kept that place safe. So that was a really, really cool investigation. We are going to go back where we can spend some more time there. And I'm going to be able to bring my whole team and not just have one other person. Um, as thankful as I am for that one other person, it would have been a lot easier on us with multiple people, obviously. Um, so once we go back to that place, I'll be so excited and so happy to share with you guys the evidence that we got there. 
So we are going to move past that and we are going to talk a little bit about how to protect yourself psychically from things like that were in the hourglass, right? Things that are not exactly happy to see you. So psychics and mediums, if you are doing this work, guys, you need to protect yourself constantly. You are opening yourself up to energy. And quantum physics has told us all energy is connected, right? It's all one big energy web. And you can pull energy from other places. Other places can pull energy from you. It's science. Now, as we develop our skills mediumistically, psychically, you are opening yourself up to um, those energies that some people aren't, aren't as open to, right? And the more you develop, the more open, the more sensitive you are to that. So it's important that you are closing those doors when you're not doing this work and protecting yourself, protecting your aura, protecting your energy. That's yours. And I listened to a podcast one time and it's been years, so I can't remember which one it is. If you know which one it is, let me know. But they said, not protecting yourself during this work is like opening your door and letting some random stranger in. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't just open your front door and say, please, sir, please come in, right? You shouldn't be doing that with your psychic work as well. You need to close that door. You need to lock it and protect yourself from things that can drain your energy. Um, draining if, if, even if you're not doing this work, if you're just listening to this because you're my friend and you're supporting me and you're not someone who does this work, these methods are good for you as well. Because think about all those negative people around you at times, right? We all have that friend or that coworker or, or that acquaintance that every time you get around them, they have nothing but negative things to say. And it's just constant doom and gloom. That's draining you. That is draining your energy. And these methods are going to help protect that, protect that energy and keep it where it needs to be. So um, something else, if you are working as a medium, again, that's how I'm speaking, guys. And I've told you this a thousand times. I don't do a lot of psychic work, right? Some of it comes with the territory, but I'm better at, at mediumship. So that's how I'm speaking to you. And that's the advice that I am giving you. After I do medium readings, I am exhausted. I am drained. After I do a paranormal investigation, I am drained. And, and what's funny is I told my, my mentor, I told you guys, Amy Utzman, she's my mentor. She, um, I, I told her one time, I was like, when I get done, I was like, I'm so hungry. I just want like a sandwich. I want like a turkey sandwich. And she goes, that's because your body is craving protein. You need protein when you're done with this. Your brain has worked so hard that you need to be rebuilding things in your body and that protein is what does it. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true because I do. I crave deli meat. I crave, you know, chicken. I want, like, I want protein in my body. And, and she kind of put it all together for me. And um, my, my buddy that works on the paranormal team with me, Dave, you guys have heard us talk about him before. He was telling me the same thing. And I said, you need to go eat. That's how you are going to 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 rebuild these things that are now absent from your body. So if you're getting that craving as well, that's why. Um, I read in a book um, just the other day doing research for this that psychics and mediums are, they, they tend to be a little overweight. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm overweight. It's not the buffalo chicken dip that I ate for dinner last night. But because eating helps us to feel better sometimes. It helps us to feel grounded sometimes. Now, um, 
like I said, even if you're not doing this medium work, you're not doing psychic work, maybe you're a paranormal investigator. This is just as important for you. Guys, when we go into an investigation, we start it with a prayer to whoever you want to pray to, right? I carry my crystals. We have bracelets. We carry stones with us. And then after the investigation is over, we say a closing prayer and we sage ourselves. You have to do these things because if you don't, you're going to come home with things that you don't necessarily want to come home with. Um, so how do you protect yourself? The best way to do this, the, the, the number one thing you guys as light workers need to do is ground, right? And I used to think I could skip this step because I'm why do I want to ground myself if I'm wanting to raise my vibration so I can communicate better with spirit? Well, you need to ground yourself in order to communicate with spirit. You've got to slow down and take the steps that are needed to be able to communicate effectively and safely. That's what this is about. You are raising your vibration to a realm so that you can, con that you can connect, so that you can talk and speak and communicate. In order to do that, you have to remember when you're before and after that conversation, you're in a human being's body, right? And you need to connect back to that. You need to connect back to the earth. And that's all grounding is, is reminding yourself you are in a human body. Now, um, ways that you can ground, exercise, bleh, who wants to do that? Not me, but it does help. My favorite way to ground is just to go walk around in nature, right? You can go barefoot if you want to. Um, you can go sit in the grass. I've done that a million times, especially if the weather's nice. I'll go sit in the grass and read a book, but I'm touching the earth, right? Put your hands in the dirt. Go plant something. Do something manual with your hands. Go cross stitch. Go build something. Go clean. Something so that you are touching the earth again. You are you're getting back to being that human being um, rather than going outside of your body for this communication. Um, another way is to visualize roots coming out of the bottom of your feet. That'll help you ground. Imagine the roots going into the earth and kind of wrapping around the earth. That's going to help you to ground. Um, taking a bath or a shower and really concentrating on the feel of the water. That's a great way to ground. You do it every morning, right? You're in the shower every morning or every night. Use that time to, rem to really feel that water. And then, of course, meditation. Meditation is going to be a solution to a lot of our, our work, or I don't want to say, because they're not problems, but it's going to be a solution to a lot of the things that we go through in this work. So once you're grounded, another way to protect yourself is visualization. And this is my, uh, other than just going for a walk in nature, this is probably the thing I do the most. I like to, to imagine or visualize, which is a lot of this work is visualization. It's not imagination. You're going to visualize a white light around your entire body. Some people imagine an eggshell. I've seen people imagine a bubble or even a lotus flower closing up around you. Whatever you are imagining going around you, whatever that object is, that shell is, that protective layer is, you want it to be permeable. You want there to be a way for things to get in, the good to get in, but you keep the bad out. And you are the boss of your bubble, 
right? You're the boss of that. You decide what comes in and what stays out. So keep that around you um, when you're doing this work. Um, oh, one that I read in a book. It was the book, The Gift. It talks about wearing a reflective cloak of energy. So imagine that you have like a Harry Potter cloak on, right? But it's reflective. And so all of that bad energy is going to bounce off of it and stay away from you. That cloak is your protection. Another thing you can do to protect yourself, and I recommend doing this about once a week, is taking a salt bath. So you put a little bit of Epsom salt, a little bit of sea salt. I don't like to use just regular iodized salt. Use sea salt, Himalayan salt, something a little bit more coarse. And soak in the bath for about 30 minutes. Have a nice little soak. Read a book. Listen to a podcast. But that will cleanse your aura as well, that salt bath. Um, Just swimming in the ocean. If you're lucky enough to live near the ocean, go jump in. Go have a swim. And that is the equivalent of a salt bath. That's nature's salt bath, right? Um, Affirmations. I say um too much. I need to stop that. I apologize. Affirmations. Things like, I am surrounded by love. I am safe and protected. I am light and love. You think of something that works for you. Make it short. Make it, you know, easy to remember. Write it down on a sticky note and put it on your bathroom mirror. Write it down on a sticky note and put it on your computer. Write it on the palm of your hand. Whatever you need to do to remember it. But those affirmations are going to help protect your aura as well. Work on keeping your space clean. That's another way to protect yourself. Get rid of clutter. Keep your your house clean. Keep your, your workspace clean. You can do that. Like Once you have it cleaned up, you want to smudge. You want to keep the, the energy of the room, of the space clean and do that with your aura as well. Remember, you, we, we talked about this in an earlier episode. You can smudge using sage, palo santo, incense, sweet grass. Choose what you like, but you want that smoke around your aura. Stand with your arms out and your legs spread, almost like a scarecrow. And If you have someone that can do it for you, that's really, really easy. Uh, If not, you can do it yourself and just trace the outline of your body with that smoke to keep your aura cleansed. Now, crystals are, I love a crystal. I carry them all the time. I have rocks in my pocket all the time. Um, Some crystals that have protective properties, things like clear quartz, black tourmaline, black obsidian, um, smoky quartz. Those are all really good ones to carry around with you. Carry them in your left pocket, wear them on your left hand. That's going to bring in that protective energy. I'm trying to think of some other ones. I'll list some other ones online on our socials, but those are the kind of the four that I can think of. And something that I want to point out, guys, if you are, if we don't want to mix this work with drugs and drinking, okay? If you have a serious drug and alcohol problem, A, go get help. B, I don't recommend you open yourself up until that problem is better. You are opening yourself up to bringing in energies that may resonate with addiction. It may resonate with whatever you're you're drinking and doing drugs to hide, but it makes you very vulnerable and it's very unsafe on many levels, but spiritually, it's very unsafe because you're letting things into your 
bubble that don't need to be there. Um, if you are drinking, I don't recommend doing this work. I mean, just even, you know, a couple of glasses of wine. Don't do this at that moment. I had a, a friend not too long ago. I, we were at her house and I was having a glass of wine with her. I think I was on glass two, maybe even glass three. We were having a great time. But <laughs> she was like, you know, oh my gosh, I want you to do a reading for me. And I said, absolutely, I will. A hundred percent, but not today. I hack, I need a clear mind. I need all of these chemicals that alcohol is putting into my body out of my body because it's not safe to do. You, 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 like I said, you'll end up attaching things will attach to you that you don't want to attach to you. So those are some ways that you can protect yourself psychically. If you guys have questions on any of it, ask. We are, we love getting your questions over email, text, call us with those questions. Also, are there any topics that you guys want to hear? Is there anything that you're interested in that we haven't brought up yet? I know we're only 17 episodes in and we have a list a mile long of things we're going to talk about with you guys. But if there's something that you are interested in, let us know and we'll make sure it's either on the list already or we'll put it on there for sure. Make sure you guys are going to your podcast platform of choice and rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us. Um, Thank you for joining us today and we will talk to you next time. Have a great day.